Welcome, everyone. Welcome to episode 24 of Screen Blend. After a week's delay, welcome back, Cutters. Thanks, mate. Um, yeah, sorry for the week's delay, everyone. It was sort of a, a crazy time in in the last last week or so. Um, finally back home in Adelaide, day five of quarantine or isolation or however you want to call it. Um, so now mm. I'm, I'm back at back at home now, and uh, it's it's all right. Day five. Um, so yeah, missing human contact. So good to chat with Mace here, but I've smashed yeah, some TV. Enough. So. It's uh, it's been good in in that respect, but how have you been, mate? Because we haven't spoken besides our catch up just before for for a little bit of time. Yeah, yeah, it's been busy weeks for both of us. Well, quite a few weeks, so yeah. it's good to kind of get back into it. And there's so much news and so much to get through this week. So I reckon I we get started. We get straight into it. And I think that's the thing is we've actually for the last couple of weeks there wasn't much, but now now it's getting big. It's all piling up. So mm. only thing I'll say now is when we're recording this on Saturday in um, Saturday. What what's the date? I don't even know. Uh, Saturday, twenty second of mm. August. So DC fandom hasn't been yet, though. So, but there's been some news sort of dripping um, here and there coming out. But that hasn't been that yet. That's tonight. I'm pretty sure, isn't it, or tomorrow, or whatever is in America, yeah, depending t- on timings. Yeah. Tonight morning, yeah. However, it works. So we're not going to cover any of that. That will be on the next episode. So mm. um, we'll leave leave that there, and we'll get straight into the news. Take it away, Mace, right. with the first bit of news. All right. So I'm going to lead with Tenet. So Tenet um, has a few midnight premiere last night. All the reviews and critics are coming in. And currently it's scored 80%, 87% on Rotten Tomatoes as of Friday. And at this stage, a lot of the reviews are mixed. And everyone's saying it's a futuristic throwback, bringing some excitement amid the global pandemic. But overall, it falls a little flat compared to Nolan's previous films. So what do you think of this, Cats? Do you think it will still be good or, you know, it's just critics being a bit too harsh? Um, I think I'm looking at a couple of reviews here. Um, I was looking last night. Obviously, a little disappointing when you see this coming out. So, like, the first reviews aren't you know, smashing it through the through the roof. Like, no, it, it, does, no. it does sound like it's a Nolan movie, and I'm I'm a fan of some Nolan movies, not a fan of some of the others. Um, obviously, Inception's great and one of my favourite movies. This sort of has a feeling of Inception, and ma- maybe that's the reason I love it. Not a massive Interstellar mm-hmm. fan myself, so maybe it could lean a bit more from there. Um, I think it might be just... Uh, the thing I like, though, about some of these reviews is no one's just coming out and being like, oh my God, cinema's back. I'm giving it five stars. People, because uh, this is hmm. the first movie that's really been released now. And it's good that's finally getting out. So you're seeing it tonight, mate. Um, yeah, I am. Yeah. So you've obviously just looked at some of these like Twitter reviews, etc. You don't want to get too far into it. Uh, what are you expecting from tonight? And um, yeah, what do you, what's, what's the big thing? Well, things? a lot of people are saying, you know, it's copious and confusing, yeah. but you know, I feel like, you know, if you, if you like the movie enough, Inception was just as confusing for yeah. first time viewers. So if you get into the lore and maybe watch it once or twice, I'm sure you can appreciate it more in its second viewing. I, from the sounds of it though, regardless of all the crap it's been given by some reviewers, I think at the end of the day, you can just see that this is going to be a fun action through Hollywood blockbuster and it's going to be amazing three hours like all Nolan films. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really going to read many more reviews from what I've read today. I'm just going to go on with a blank mind mm-hmm. and I'll probably end up loving it tonight. Yeah. No, perfect. So I'm obviously ridiculously keen and ridiculously jealous of yourself now. So another <laughs> another nine bloody days until I can get out and see this. Um, but this will be my first thing I do on that, that first day. 
Um, I get out and I'll get you to do a little review for the for the page uh, and for the podcast uh, once you see it. But no, I, I'm I think with the Nolan movies they can come in and you can sort of you don't know what you're going to expect, and that's why I think some reviewers it might be a more a second or third viewing that it gives everyone a um, a better opinion, or it could just be shit. Who knows? Uh, and we yeah. could all be let down. But we'll move on. There's a lot of news coming out. So, and then we obviously want to get into our main topic today. But next bit of news, what was huge, came out about two days ago. I remember waking up from my, my drowsy, quarantine spelled sleep and seeing Ben Affleck is back as Batman in The Flash. Mm. And I was like, so I slapped myself once, slapped myself again. And I was like, am I awake? <laughs> is this real? Because a bit bizarre. It's ridiculously bizarre. I'm sort of pulling a couple of things together now with all the stuff that's going on in the background of the DCEU or how they want to call it with Ray Fisher. Maybe mm. some of that sort of stuff is pulling away and it means Ben's happy to come back. So we know Mike, we sort of said a couple of episodes ago, Michael Keaton is back. Um, obviously, mm. Flash is going to be about time travel and multiverses, etc. So... We're going to be getting multiple Batmans likely in this year. So, but Ben Affleck wanting to come back again. We're not sure of the role that he's going to play. No, whether it's a small role, massive role, key role. Um, they've said in the Variety re- release about it essentially that it's a pivotal role. Pivotal can mean thirty seconds. Um, yeah, so yeah, cameo. It, it could be he's in the first thirty seconds of the movie, and then Barry Allen time travels, and then we get a different Batman. Like, and that could be the pivotal role. So. But it's interesting because we now are at a point where we get Ben Affleck's Batman, Michael Keaton, Keaton's Batman, was from all reports for the last month has been a pivotal role for the DCU going forward. Is it now Ben Affleck's Batman is going to be playing that because he's happy to come back and this script's been changed? But then obviously we're getting uh, Robin Pattinson's Batman also and there's some news about that yeah, coming out confusing. too. Mm. So that clearly looks like that's by itself now and or they'll slide into that in time. So... It's confusing for us all, and it's kind of funny how probably five years, ten years ago, fifteen years ago, Batman wasn't touched on any form of media. There was one Batman being um, the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. He wasn't allowed in the TV shows, etc. Now he's in every different DC TV show. He's in the Flashverse or Arrowverse. He's on Titans. He's in this. So there's like six different Batmans. It's turned into the Joker a bit now. But what's your thoughts on Ben coming back? Well, I don't. I he'll definitely be a small role, regardless of how pivotal he'll be to the actual plot. I think the only way he's coming back is with a good paycheck for one, and I think second, if it's not too much, it's not physically demanding on him in terms of you know buffing up for the role. If he's you know giving him some good money for a bit of cameo, some dialogue, he doesn't have to physically change himself to look like Batman. He will be fine, I think, and that's the reason he's probably going to come in for this. And they can never know; they might actually do something interesting with parallel universes and somehow intertwine Robert Pattinson's you know this new trilogy with the starting with the Joker and all that into this universe, but probably not. But it might be a good way to actually somehow implement it. Well, I think from obviously we're all jealous of him because he's going out with at the moment Anna de Amaris, uh, very attractive yes. new actress coming on the scene. Um, when I saw that, I was like, Ben, you son of a. Um, but it <laughs> seems like good. he actually looks better at the moment. Compare him to two or three years ago, obviously going through some alcohol problems. He actually looks a lot better, even just in his face, doesn't look as stressed and certain things. So maybe he's now. He's been away, didn't want to be Batman for the last two years and maybe his personal life has improved a lot so he's happy to come back into these roles because it's quite clear even in Justice League um, that it wasn't that keen and he didn't get that buff for the role, whereas in Batman v Superman he really uh, put himself into it. So I still think he's my favourite Batman. 
not my favorite Batman yes. movies, but he's my favorite Batman. So plus, obviously, we're getting Zack Snyder's Justice League next year too. So there's a he's actually coming back in multiple multiple sort of iterations also of the role. So mm. um, that's an that's an interesting one. And make sure you comment uh, and give us your thoughts uh, below. It can be a question nearly of the week: his thoughts on Ben Affleck coming back as. Batman in the Flash. So, The Boys Season 3, Jack, um, obviously Season 2 is not even out yet, coming out in September. But one of your favourite actors um, from one of your favourite TV shows is in it. Can you give me a bit of news on that? Yeah, so Jensen Ackles from Supernatural. uh, He's joining uh, Boys Season 3, which hasn't even started filming yet, but he's got the role. Um, And he'll be playing Soldier Boy in the new superhero series. So Jensen Ackles, um, Eric Kripke, who does The Boys and Supernatural, he's got a few connections, obviously, Jensen, um, because he's worked with Kripke before. So Kripke's obviously brought aboard his new series, The Boys. So that will be exciting to see, um, yeah, Jensen in season three come filming. No, uh, he's because it's sort of in a, we're talking about multiverses and alternate realities. Obviously, Jensen was one of the favorites to be Captain America back in the middle noughties sort of era um, and the late noughties before uh, Chris Evans was cast in the uh, role. So now it's amazing how people's sort of careers go in different ways because I know I was a massive Jensen Ackles fan for that at that point, uh, but now he's finally getting in this sort of comic book movie uh, sphere. So yeah, I'm excited. He's he's sort of perfect for this in in this sort of show. So uh, and is Supernatural finished yet? Uh not yet. They're doing their final eight episodes of season fifteen uh, later this year. Uh, so he's also looking for new work. That's basically it. yes, yeah. yes, yeah, pretty much. After fifteen years, he's finally looking for new work, and it, I guess it's time to well. That that must be hard though. Sort of segueing a little bit, just randomly, sort of chatting. It's like. It's like the NCIS people. It's like all the ones on Grey's Anatomy and stuff. If you've got work for 15 years, it's just such an easy... Like, it's obviously not great to be an actor and doing the same stuff because you might... But I guess that's the job of a TV actor. You've got your gig, you've got what you're known for, and you just wrote every year just comes and goes. But now you're out of work. What do you do? So it's like you've probably never had to sort of audition for something in a fair amount of time. Does that... No. You sort of get what I'm saying? I do. But that's why I feel like... He's got the crypt key from Supernatural. Yeah. And he's like, mate, can I get on your new show? And he's, or vice versa. Yeah. And uh, I mean, let's be honest, Jensen Ackles, he's a really good actor. He's got that mixture of humor and, you know, seriousness as well. So he'll fit in perfectly with the rest of the cast, I think, for the boys. Um, but yeah, no, I know what you mean. But I think, uh, once again, Connections has, got, has definitely got him this role. No, fair. So I don't now, think he wouldn't have had to audition. No, no, I think he would have just snagged it. So uh, moving, sliding into a bit of games news for a little bit. Um, but you've got some Halo Infinite news. Yeah, so talking about Halo Infinite um, last episode, unfortunately it has been delayed to uh, no specified date for 2021. Uh, whether this was, they said they need more time to work on it. Um, but in saying that, they did the gameplay trailer um, a couple of weeks back too with a lot of criticism with many fans saying the graphics look you know, pretty horrid and pretty horrible. Um, so whether that's a potential reason behind it, obviously Microsoft can't say we know the graphics are, yeah. you know, shit. You know, we can't, you know, they can't announce that. So it's they're still working on it. Um, they've blamed COVID, but whether that's the case or not, I'm not really sure. But yeah, so that might be just coming out um, sometime next year, which is pretty sad for fans who are expecting a really cool, uh, you know, first release for their new Xbox Series X. But now there's no really exclusives for that. So PS4. Um, PS5 is now almost in favor over the Xbox because that was going to be the defining new 
game for the new console generation. Yeah, far out. Because from my respect there, I would have been thinking that this would have been a necessity for Microsoft and Xbox to get this out when they're releasing the mm-hmm. console. Because was it uh, saying Xbox 4 and Xbox 3 and Xbox 2, whatever. Um, that was always had a halo with its release, correct? Nearly? Always with a console release? Uh, no. Not necessarily. I think the only one that kind of launched was the original Xbox. Okay. The others haven't really launched uh, with the Halo. Halos usually come out maybe a year after, okay. I think, with number two and three. Yeah, but the first one was, but this one, unfortunately, isn't either. So, Okay. Hmm. So, again, sad news. we will sign into a bit of DC fandom stuff that we're expecting to come out tomorrow, but we know um, that there's first uh, Suicide Squad game coming out, Kill the Justice League, what's very interesting to me and how they're going to do that. And this sort of segues also into the Avengers beta that we'll talk about after. But there's a new Arkham game coming out, and we hopefully will find out. There's been teasing a little bit in the last couple of days. For a whole year. Yeah. Apparently it's the longest teaser ever, I think, in my opinion, for yeah. you know just knowing that this game's coming out, yet knowing nothing about it. So what are you expecting from this game? We're both massive fans of the Batman Arkham series and the four different games uh, coming from that. Sort of tied itself down very well at the end of, I think it did. But what are you expecting? Are you expecting Batman to come back for this? Is it going to pop up somewhere in this series or is it going to be another character that they're sort of following? Well, the interesting thing is that this is obviously going to do with the Court of Owls story from the comics. Um, That's been very heavily teased and that's definitely a thing. Um, Well, Rocksteady are currently working on the Justice, um, not the Justice League, the Suicide Squad game. So the people working on this new Arkham game, Warner Brothers Studios who yeah. did uh, Batman Origins, yeah. Arkham Origins, yeah. which in my opinion wasn't nowhere near as good as the original Arkham trilogy. So I'm not really overly excited till I see some gameplay. Yeah. So yeah, I think for this one, I'll just have to see. But the Suicide Squad game, because it is by Rocksteady who did make the original Arkham yeah. games, I'm very excited to see more of that come tomorrow. So yeah, but we'll discuss this a little bit more um, in the next episode because we'll know a little bit more, and I'm sure we'll see a bit of gameplay or at least a decent teaser for both of these games. Oh, for sure, yeah. um, coming out, and I'm interested to see how they work on the dynamics of the Suicide Squad game, and whether it is they actually get to kill the Justice League or whether you play as a character, then that Suicide Squad member sort of dies because they can't kill. I oh, know I'm just intrigued, but I got to play this morning. Um, the Avengers um, beta was. F- has been out for a couple of weeks now, depending on your level of whether in the media or et cetera, you've been signing up for early access, et cetera. So uh, over this weekend, it's the first open play for anyone who wants to download and obviously sign into Square Enix so they can send me emails for the rest of my lifetime. But I got to play a little bit this morning and you sort of play the first part is what we've seen in the trailers and the original gameplay sort of footage. That off first, the Golden Gate Bridge? Off the Golden Gate Bridge. So you get to play as Thor first, what's really cool. Um throwing the, the hammer around good fun like so you play exactly what we've seen so it's not like anything's new you're getting to learn the abilities and powers and how they work and um, graphics are actually better than i thought but i feel like this is what i'll go down the different powers of the heroes and i feel like this is where it might be the problem with the game and i'm intrigued to see how they get through it because i put it down after about two hours today because i had enough we we'll probably have a whole episode to this. So, oh, we will when it gets a little bit closer and if you get a chance to play it or once the game comes out. And I feel like the game's going to be going for a multiple number of years, I think, with the new characters coming in and stories that will be added mm. and you'll just be downloading extra gameplay, etc. So, But Thor was good to play as. Um, that was fun. Mix of flying, sort of floating, using the hammer, 
not all just button bash because you can sort of hit enemies from a further distance. Mm. All characters have the same sort of thing. So say Thor throws his hammer, Black Widow's is shooting her pistol using the same buttons. Hulk's picking up some of the ground and you throw that. So Captain America's using a shield or Iron Man's using different repulsor beams, etc. So that's the sort of that button is always used for long targets. Then you've got a melee sort of buttons that you're pressing and you're trying to boost up skills, etc. So, so there's strategy behind it, would you say? Or is it almost... There, you know, for me, it was a bit more button bash. I'm probably not in the mm-hmm. mental frame to strategize too much at the moment. It was maybe. <laughs> but by the end of it, when I sort of put it down, they started to give me the sort of build up your characters um, and how the story works. But you play the Golden Gate sort of thing. What I'm guessing is the start of the game itself. So I'm hoping I don't have to do that again, but you never know. Probably I'll, pro- I'll, I'll, probably, I'll probably do it again. Not to play. Mm. Yeah, when, when I do it. But it was good fun. So that that was good. The, the combat was fine. But it's just, again, a lot of sort of mindless bad guys, a lot of aim bad guys or, or whatever it is. And I'm intrigued to see how they build the characters over time instead of a Batman or a Spider-Man game where your job is you're just playing a Spider-Man. And you want to build that character up as, as time goes. So, And whereas this year I was sort of feeling like, oh, now I've got to be... So the point where I put it down was when I was the Hulk. And I was just going through this whole big building where I just went into one room with more bad guys. And I think some reviewers have sort of said this too that I've listened to. And it's like, you walk into one room, there's 20 bad guys there. I've just got to punch them all. Walk into the next room, 20 bad guys. Now these ones have shields. Okay, I've got to punch them a bit more. Um, walk into yeah. the next room. They've all got... The shitty ones have got shields. Now these ones have got laser beams. And I'm like, oh, for God's sake. So I sort of just put mm. it down because I wasn't feeling it that much. Well, I guess is fair after a while. I was playing quite early in the morning. But no, it seems like it's going to be good fun. But I don't know whether Hulk's one of the best ones for that sort of combat. And I wish maybe in that section I could have chosen who I wanted. But I'm guessing I'm going through a linear story where I'm Hulk at this point, And then I, the next scene I'll be Tony Stark. And then the next part I'll be... Black Widow, because for the story, we've had to send Black Widow off to this base to get There's too many game-breaking things, you know. If you play as the Thor in one, why can't you fly around the rest of the world as Iron Man? Yeah. If you were to switch characters at the same point. So I see lots of flaws with how they might be approaching the gameplay, and it's RPG elements too, isn't it? Seeing numbers fly off the villains when you punch them. Yeah, so when you punch them, it's like, yeah, you're... Yeah, so it's like sort of felt like it was Marvel Ultimate Alliance that I'm playing on the Switch, but it's just Mm -hmm. much better gameplay, and I've only got one hero in this scene because it literally felt like the same thing i'm like okay walk into the room now and defeat these bad guys but because i didn't really i like i sort of got a couple of things about what you do to upgrade the characters etc i won't talk about it for too long because we want to get into the main topic but no i thought it was good but i now want to get the whole i'll I'll buy the game i'm going like we all are we're going to buy it but i feel like i could get lost in it unlike a spider-man or something because I want to be invested in that story, but I feel like sometimes those Batman games that were great was, I was more invested in the cutscenes and where they're taking me sometimes than the actual gameplay itself. Like I enjoy the yeah. st- I enjoy the story a lot, whereas I'm hoping I think the story for this is one good. though. It's more looking for games as a service. Like they're looking yeah. for log- this game about more longevity yeah. and getting you into the story from the sounds of it. Yeah, it's a lot. They're hoping that you get this for a couple of years and use that. Mm-hmm. So we'll sort of rush through the next bit because we want to get into the main topic here. But we've got some news regarding the Spider-Verse of Sony Films with Olivia Wilde uh, attached now to direct um, a female-led Spider-Verse movie. So in the same uh, sort of universe as Venom uh, that they're using those. And also a Craven the Hunter story. 
uh, with Triple Frontier director J.C. Chandor. So it's it seems like Sony are just trying to sort of attach directors to any of these characters here that I feel like Craven the Hunter is – we don't need his own movie. I, I'd like – but Sony at the moment are trying to make their bad guys, you, no one can see me doing the inverted commas here, into yeah. their solo movies when really I think Craven the Hunter would be a great one if you do good 20 minutes of him in a Spider-Man movie as the bad guy and you get his backstory. Whereas in the end it's sort of like, or you need to do like a full series where it's like the Punisher series. So Punisher movies don't work because you don't get the longevity. Like, whereas the TV show I think works a little bit with the longevity. So what's your thoughts on both of these? Well, I think because Sony has the license to Spider-Man and that's the only thing they've really got going for them right yeah. now. I think they think, well, let's just use and abuse this license. Yeah. Let's choose every character we can yeah. use, put them on the big screen. Venom did fantastically well, even though I thought that was not an amazing movie. But if Venom can do well, let's just chuck in the other characters and give them their own solo movies and see how we go. And obviously Spider-Verse, you know, did overperform and did fantastic too. Yeah. And, you know, it's worth you and me, you know, our favourite film probably from 2018. So I think they're just going with all the like throwing all the eggs in the Spider-Man um, market basket, and also we should also say as well, Spider-Man's an exclusive for the new Avengers game as yeah. well on PS4. So I think they're trying to really use this license to their full extent, and I guess we'll just see how those movies turn out. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're right there. On our, until I see any, pardon me. Any actual imagery of this, I don't believe it's happening. So <laughs> until I see it, because yeah. I feel like Marvel themselves at some point would want to use a couple of these characters um, over time. So no, uh, we'll move on. And you'd see in the title, obviously, of this episode is about Umbrella Academy Season 2. We're discussing now, well, we never obviously got a chance to discuss Season 1, so we'll be sort of touching on that a little bit. But so where does this hit, Jack, for you as... I smashed this both seasons, season one and two, over the first couple of days of mm. my quarantine. And mm. I was, in all honesty, so pleasantly surprised. I remember sitting down for this when season one came out last year. And I tried to watch it late at night and I just didn't get into the first episode. I reckon I was 10 minutes in and I just turned it off. I don't think I stopped wanting to watch this since I started again. Like, I just powered straight through. And there was moments where I'm like, no, I've got to watch another episode. This is some of the most satisfying TV I've had in a long time. But where where does this sit for you overall first? We won't go into spoilers. We'll go through our expectations and some of the different story arcs and stuff and then we'll get into spoilers later. But where does this hit for you? Well, before I just go into my opinions, just for those people who don't know as well, um, this is a Netflix TV show, um, American (laughs) Superheroes, based on the comic book series of the same name. Um, So it's created for Netflix uh, by Steve Blackman and Jeremy Slater. And it's uh, pretty much starts, it's a dysfunctional family of adopted sibling superheroes um, who come together to solve the mystery of their father's death. And they find out there's an impending apocalypse coming upon them. Season and one, so they sorry, all go yes. about, uh, This is season one. Yep. yep. And they all go about trying to stop it and prevent it effectively. Um, and the, I think the show, you know, there's about, you know, six of the superheroes kind of have their own stories as well. Yeah. But towards the end, they all kind of collide to stop this impending apocalypse. Um, and I think out of all the shows I've watched, it is a good show. I know you were yeah. addicted. I've watched season, I think up the, the first eight episodes last year yeah. and none of it really resonated with me, but now I'm watching it again yeah. properly, not on my phone. It still takes a while to get yeah. into it. I'm not sure about you, but very rarely do I love a show this much yet. It takes so long for me to actually get into it. It took about six episodes for me to really thoroughly enjoy the show. I think of the first season. Yeah. No, no. So to, um, to but, say on your point yeah. of that, I think, 
I enjoyed season one, but I love season two so much more because I was invested in the characters. So obviously it's a large yeah. ensemble cast where you follow each of the um, seven children uh, essentially in season one. Yeah. And it's only eight episodes. I think it's eight eight episodes, season one or 10 episodes. No, both are, both are 10. Yeah, both, both are 10. Sorry. So you get, it's when you talk about ensemble cast, you're basically getting an episode each. Not It's not like something like a skins where it's a focused episode on a character, but you know in different episodes someone's more of a main character. Five's yeah. one of the five's probably the main character in most episodes or leads the story or Vanya later in season one. Mm-hmm. But it's you're getting a lot of people that really by the end of season one you know who all of these people roughly are. You have a bit more of an understanding. And I think that's why season two works so much better and in some shows can fail miserably too, is it just lifts straight off with the characters. Obviously by putting them in a different timeline and a time zone and a different generation changes it a little bit. But it does, I think that's why season one took me – it took me a while to get into season one too and I just pushed myself through it because I'm like, what, am I, what else am I doing for 14 days? I might as well just watch this. So, yeah. And I think that's why season two works for me is we jump straight in and we know sort of what these are. They're pushing them in different directions, but – that's why I enjoyed it a fair amount. Yeah, and the story I think is a bit all over the place as well yeah. for that first couple of episodes too. You're not really sure of the direction. Yeah. And without knowing that direction, it's kind of hard to stay focused. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I, I tend because you've got you've got the commission, you've got all this other stuff, all this lore that you're like, okay, I've just got to it's like you're absorbing so much information and then by the end of it you're like, okay, well now I have a rough idea of what's sort of going on. And mm-hmm. When they start saying there's there's going to be an apocalypse or whatever, you're like, okay, this shit's weird. Like, what am I even watching? And then you got to think, mm. okay, they've probably adapted this pretty well from a comic book series. So, season one obviously ends where the apocalypse happens. Uh, with spoilers, yeah. Yeah, well, well, we're talking about season two, so we can spoil yeah. season one because we have to talk about season two, Jack. Uh, yeah. But so Thank you. The, yes. the apocalypse happens, but they jump into essentially what's a different timeline um, and gets them out of. Uh, 2019 into dropping mm. each of the characters into different parts of um, what's between 1960 60, and 1963 in Dallas, Texas. So yes, yeah. What do you see that at the end, or no? We only see that. Do we see that at the end of season one that they're all in different? No, parts? we see that beginning of season two. Yeah, beginning of yeah. season season two. one. Essentially, you see them going back in time, but you don't. It just ends with a black screen. Yeah. So at, at this point. Where yeah, at this point, we we start with season two and all of the main characters are at different timelines uh, or different years of this, and but all in the same timeline, sorry. So they all, at some point over the first couple of episodes, meet each other. But when you see this and you see the first part where there's nuclear war first five minutes into the series and we see five and um, you get to that point, what was your thoughts when you straight away start this season two and what were you expecting from season two? Um, I'm not sure because obviously season one, you know, turned out the Vanya caused yeah. the apocalypse and it was almost inevitable regardless of what they did. You know, this was always on track in this yeah. current timeline and, you know, the moon what, falls on them. I would have never yeah. even guessed that how the apocalypse would have started. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that it almost repeats itself within yeah. the first episode of season two, that they start another apocalypse in the fact that it's repeating the same storyline. Yeah. I was like, is this lazy story writing? Yeah. Uh, but obviously the series came to it, you know, the second yeah. season came to its own after that. But uh, that initial uh, what 10 minutes of season two, yeah. so much happened. Yeah. You know, they all went back in time, it, you know, it was playing to the music. Um, all the characters were dropping in, you know, between that yeah. three-year period. Um, we met our mate Hazel again. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, the, the apocalypse and all the nukes came down. It's like, wow, yeah. there's 10 minutes of season two before it actually started to slow down and introduce us to the different timelines. I think it reminded me of that first 10 minutes when you get that part in uh, 1963 when they're fighting and there's the war happening and five sort of walking through and then all of the Umbrella Academy come down. It reminds me of that the best part of X, X3 when they're in the danger room and actually having a proper fight and all of the main characters mm. get their like, get their moment where they're using their powers. And I, I, like, I was sitting there and I was like, God, this is so cool. I was like, is this actually happening? Like what a cool way to start the series is doing this. And then we're going to come from there. Like then we're going to go on from there. And then when it's yeah. like five's got to get out and then et cetera with how, like whatever's happening and you're like, oh, okay, shit, like shit, this is pretty, like this is serious what they've got themselves into. And it sort of hits that point with what that timeline is, is, it sort of connects with a lot of characters and times. And I've got a couple of notes here about connecting issues of 1960s America, but was sort of it hit some pretty serious topics in the series. Like this, it's it, real it, serious stuff. Because the way season one ended, really, I'm not sure how far the plot had advanced mm. for for season two, but they really could have gone to any time period or anywhere at the yeah. end of season one. So the fact they did choose, you know, early 60s Well, I think uh, it's America. from the comics. I think this is from the comics. This is mm. when it goes yeah, into it. Yeah. yeah, but even then, yeah. you know, they can, you know, diverge from the comics if they wanted to. Um, but, yeah, no, it deals with, you know, some, you know, lots of racial issues as yeah. well, you know. So it really hits hard. It goes down a similar route that Watchmen did, yeah. um, you know, earlier last year. Well, I still haven't finished Watchmen. I just downloaded Binge, so now I have like literally every because for so segueing. For some reason, I'm logged out of your Foxtel, and so I could, <laughs> <laughs> I'll get you in, mate. No, no, no don't worry. I've, I've signed up to the two week Binge thing, but Binge is a new streaming service in Australia, essentially made by Foxtel because no one wants to pay for everything on Foxtel anymore. They've had to make a streaming service, and no one wants to pay for Foxtel own streaming service so they made a different one i'll be deleting it after the two weeks because there's not a mate that much stuff on there but i was like i want to watch watchmen so got three more episodes so that's in next week's uh, show and tell section we'll discuss the end of watchmen but so okay. when it, let's just talk about characters and sort of their arcs a little bit as it goes into to season two now obviously who's your favorite just hit me with straight away who's your favorite and probably who's your sort of least favourite coming into the series and did that stay the same? So after season one and then obviously going to the end of season two. No spoilers. I think my favourite I think my favorite characters have gone all over the place. Yeah. Um I really like Diego. Yeah. Um Diego. He's quite funny and yeah. I liked his long hair, you know, yeah. he's pulling it off. Um but Klaus, I yeah. think in season two, I think he was a bit he was a bit more likable yeah. in this. And just some of his lines were hilarious, you know, when yeah. he's when they're trying to um, you know, towards the end of the, I think episode eight, he's yeah. like, just want to let you know, man, you look like Antonio Banderas. Yeah. He's like, oh, thanks, man. Just little comments like that. I thought he came, yeah, to himself, I think, a bit more of the season. And I thought he was so much more likable. No, I'd have to say, I agree. I think for me as an ensemble, it's probably one of my favorite ensembles in a while. There's a couple like, I don't really enjoy, and I think it also comes to what level of powers people have too, because not all these powers are great powers. We haven't really spoken no, a lot That's of them the are thing shocking. About the show. They're, they're, none of them are typical superhero powers. They're yeah. all really lame powers. Like, I wouldn't want any of them apart from what number five has. Yeah. And ne- number five's is sort of like a Nightcrawler style, not similar, but it like just teleports into certain areas uh, that it's close to and then obviously can time travel. But mm. Luther's powers are shit. He's just sort of strong, but he's just like a gorilla. Like he's not even that great powers. Diego's yeah. is he can sort of bend things he throws. So, again, that's a cool power, but 
doesn't seem the coolest. Useful. Yeah. Very not, situational. Yeah, very like, I've got to have knives. And then yeah. you go, Klaus is just talks to the dead. It's not a great superpower. Once he learns how to use it, cool. Um, number five is good. Allison's is just like, is cool, but it's a pain in the ass of a like thing to it's do. It's good if you didn't have a superhero lifestyle. You know, you can just rob a shot by whispering something yeah. in someone's ear and they, you know, listen to your command. Yeah. But other than that, as a, when you're facing, you know, against, you know, 50,000, yeah. you know, what people from the, from the operation or yeah. from the agency, you're stuffed. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. and it seems like it's only to one person. So I have to say it to mm. you and then the next person. So no wonder they still get trained as sort of fighters. But mine would have yeah. to be, I think five for me is just an exceptional character. But, Mm. Again, Aiden Gallagher, who I had to sort of search a little bit up and what he's done before. This is really his first main major role. The mm. kid is unbelievable. The kid is un- like for a fifth. Like his so was, acting is incredible. The fact because he is meant to portray what a sixty-year-old man. man yeah. At, so yeah, when, when he, this tone. this show fails if he doesn't pull this off. So again, I don't know how many childhood actors you go through, and it must be so hard when you're casting something like this. I'm guessing he got cast at 13 or 14 for this series. And he's only 16 now. So he's turning 17 this year. But when the show started, he's 14 or 15. And he's portraying this character in season one. Now in season two, he's like a lot of people are saying, he's got to be a Robin. Like he's got to be cast as like, this is a, if you're doing a a Robin in any of the Batman Mm -hmm. movies coming forward as a young kid, this is the guy. Because he also, like he kills it. Like he's a 16 year old and he's killing people. Like at 15. Like, so you go... That's the crazy aspect, and I enjoy the fact that they don't hold back in that in for this show. It's bloody, it's gory, it's dealing with a lot of adult themes, like you said. And this guy's playing a seventy-year-old or a sixty-five-year-old, so he's probably my favorite. I probably don't like um, Allison as much, to be perfectly honest with you. And I do enjoy the Klaus Ben dynamic is one of my sort of. I, I do enjoy that once it sort of got fleshed out a little bit more. So yeah, it needed to be fleshed out for me to actually enjoy it. And it did this season more yeah. so than season one. Yeah. Cause it sort of just felt a bit awkward in season one. I think like we said earlier, just with everything sort of getting fleshed out with their characters and what, what they can do. So um, sort of now, what was your favorite parts of, of this season? And sort of, if we just, we'll just get into sort of rough spoilers now, we'll just sort of talk. Yeah. Well, it started really weird, you know, like Diego's what in a mental institution, yeah. isn't he? And uh, who's he meet? What's that? What's her name? Lila. So he meets Lila. Lila. He meets. Uh, yeah. And um, I think she's a really good new addition to the show. Like yeah. I quite like her. Um, and you know, later on we find out she yeah. is, I guess, number eight. Yeah. Uh, so to speak. Uh, but it takes this season just takes so many twists and turns as well from what the original season took. It took takes a few more risks. Yeah. Especially when it turns, you know, comes to changing the timeline. Uh, and mixing things up, which we'll obviously get to uh, towards the end. Yeah. Um, but I, I love it. I love the 60s vibe. I love the 60s music that they yeah. implement. And I love how they've clearly got a very main street for the set. Like yeah. they don't really go beyond no. an interior and they always go along this one main street in yeah. Dallas when clearly there's so much more that they can go. Um, so it's, yeah, I feel like that part was very much like this is a Hollywood set or yeah. wherever they're doing in Canada. Uh, 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 but, but uh, no, nah, I, I loved it and I think that's kind of lightened up the series a little bit from its darker tone from season one. No, I have, uh, have to agree with you there. It sort of starts out, 1960s, perfect backdrop for, for where we want to go and pushing all these characters into different times where, and connecting with what 1960, obviously we don't, uh, in Australia here, it's not a big thing. Obviously it is big, but we don't li- learn a lot about the assassination of JFK and sort of connecting with that and how this story and the overarching themes that, 
this um, Sir Reginald Hardgreaves is more of a bigger player in the history of, and they're making him a bigger player in the history of sort of American um, stuff and how he is this big um, sort of, he's a larger than life sort of personality and his sort of connection with those other random guys and stuff. So I enjoyed that sort of connection and how Diego's sort of got this hero complex that I guess at all some point of our male lives, we've always wanted to be the hero and he wants to say assassination. Yeah. And everyone, and I'm guessing it's a big thing that a lot of people want to, and there's a lot of stories and books written on saving JFK and sort of, because no one knows exactly what, what has happened. So thinking that that's the reason obviously that the apocalypse has happened is JFK dies and then um, that they have to nukes come down. Yeah. And then the nuke, that's the reason why America, because they think it's them. Whereas obviously we find out it's a different way that that's happened later in the series. So I enjoy that. I feel like again for another season though, Luther's sort of just gets left behind a little bit because he's sort of like a big kid and a sort of like a kid in an adult's body and just doesn't feel like he's enough for me because he's supposed to be the leader and again, the sort of leader sort of complex just doesn't come to him. What's your thoughts on that? I think as uh, as far as the actor goes, I think he's really great. Yeah. Like for someone who seems like um, it's Tom Hopper, I, was, yeah. I believe. Um, yeah, he, he plays such a serious character, yet he is, has his humorous moments. I really like him, but yeah. I do actually think he's the weakest for someone who is the leader of the gang. Yeah. I'm not sure whether it's acting or whether his story is never relevant enough to the actual main plot or the main things that are actually happening in the narrative. Yeah. Um, but cause you know, he's working for Jack Ruby, yeah. you know, um, you know, he's quite well known, uh, back in the sixties. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I just don't feel his story advanced enough or he's characterized enough for me to love him. And like you said, he's quite weak, uh, as well as Alison. They're the two weaker people and they both kind of have this love relationship. So I just think it falls a little flat, but you know, as far as it goes, he's still a good character. Yeah, no, I'm just in, intrigued in in that one there. So, um, sort of, th- there's a lot that we can go on, and there's a lot of subplots for this. And um, I thought not that it was lazy. Again, we haven't read the comics here. I'm guessing you haven't, correct? Or the, the graphic novels. So, I thought it was a little lazy in the fact that Vanya hits her head and she loses her memory and all this sort of stuff. But we mm. get a bit of her, and I, I do enjoy the fact that the first couple of episodes, everyone sort of away from each other a little bit and then we sort of start to intertwine again and get what the best part of the show is is the different dynamics and pairs and sort of um, threes of the group when mm. they're sort of together. Where now we know Vanya sort of has control of her powers but at the start of the this season she doesn't again. Where does that hit for you in a character that really is the most powerful there again but what what's your thoughts on her and sort of how the season sort of hits her? Well, I think in terms of Anya, you know, she almost was the antagonist, you know, in yeah. episode 10 um, and she was quite corrupt. You know, yeah. I wasn't sure if they were actually going to kill her. Yeah. Um, so the fact they actually brought her back in time, uh, I think a bit of a plot device yes. was the fact the only yeah. way to handle it was for her actually to forget yeah. everything that happened prior to that. Uh, and, I, you know, she has her own almost family. You know, she's yeah. with this boy's, you know, mother and, yeah. and they form a, you know, kind of a romantic relationship, relationship there, romantic relationship there. Um, as uh, you know, as Ellen Page is huge in the LGBTQ community. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like her coming out at the end with her powers and the fact she can control them is a bit of a silver lining um, and a deus ex, you know, machinima yeah. or whatever um, in terms of plot devices and the fact she can control it. And now yeah. she's fine towards the end of the season. 
uh, especially when you know we do find out that she was the cause of a second apocalypse yeah. um, to rain down the nukes. Uh, yeah, her character is good, but I feel like now it's just they didn't really know what to do with her for season two, so they chucked her a plot line, forgot her memory. Um, but, yeah, I don't know what you think, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, I think you've sort of nailed it there. That's That's my thoughts a bit on her character, just with the fact that we don't know what to do with her a little bit. Maybe it's happened in the comics. So again, smash us in the comment mm. section if, if that is true. But <laughs> with someone like that, because she is so OP in the power sort of stakes, is once she mm. can control it, um, that's better. But then I thought again, it's like, oh, she's lost her mind again. Here we go. Like it just felt like another one where in sort of when it gets to episode seven, eight, nine, when you think she's going to be the reason. I was like, just don't have it that we're doing exactly the same thing as season one again. Because I was sort of pleasantly surprised when we find out that by the end of episode nine, her sort of thing's done. And I was like, okay, oh, what are they going to do with episode 10 now? Because I was like, oh, that's mm. a bit, uh, that's an interesting one for me. So, no, um, we'll sort of go now with what's the biggest sort of questions that are left unanswered for the series now. Um, so, in the end, as we get to the final sort of parts of the episode um, of episode 10 or in the end of the series, so Vanya saves Harland when he goes to he's basically drowned and gives some of his powers. So I'm not sure in the lore of how that works, if obviously that's possible and he absorbs them and, yeah. and then he goes a bit mental um in, in a way in that they have to try and stop him. But where where does that sort of sit with you and uh we'll bounce around again, but where does that sort of character go for you? I feel like it's a dead end there. It's yeah. like, it's one, you know, she, the fact that the boy now has similar powers to Vanya, mm. I think that's just more of a fun lingering plot thread. You know, if the, if the series goes long enough, they might come back to it. Yeah. But I think there's so much more going on in this series that that's just kind of left as just, you know, what could be in the future. Because, you know, once again, they're going back to 2019 at the end of the season. So I don't think that's going to go too far, but I could be wrong. You know, he could yeah. be, you know, one of the new group as we find out at the end of season two. Who knows? Yeah, so um, talking, the next thing is what's happening at the commission. So for me, a very cool sort of organisation that's fleshed out a little bit more when it gets to in season two mm-hmm. and discussing a little bit of that, obviously five kills their board um, when the handler gives him a chance. And again, this is the plot threads of it. It's like we've got 10 episodes, we've got to try and, uh, push this out a little bit and they've got an episode where they've all got to try and get back to the alleyway and shit happens that they are obviously unable to do that. Mm. Classic writing. Um, yeah. But so that scene was probably one of my more favourite ones and I think majority of my favourite scenes are when Five is sort of on that mission and Aiden Gallick is playing this, like we said again, this ridiculously good character, but when he kills all of the people on the board. But then it's like the crazy stuff with this show when it's like the leader's the guy with the fish in his helmet and shit. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. And I'm Who like, thinks of this thing? Yeah. But it's, is yeah. this the beauty of graphic novels and comics and stuff? Because you can literally just draw anything and it yeah. can work. Like, not that it can work, but you've now got to adapt it for TV. And you're like, like yes, like where are these people? This is the thing also I'm, I'm trying to work out with the commission. Like, are they on a different planet? Are they on the other side of them? Like, where are they in this whole situation? Because Yeah, because you think if they can go travel anywhere in time, why go to 1955 and use typewriters and plugins? Yeah. Or they can go to 2050 and just use, you know, yeah. digital interfaces. Yeah. It's a really odd decision, but I guess that's how the comic book works. Yeah, so, but what, what do you think is happening with the commission now going forward? Because obviously the handler's finally dead. Um, end of season one, mm-hmm. she comes back. And we find out that she's sort of been playing Lila and her idea was to try and also find some of these kids. 
Um, but where do you think this goes now, or are they going to be off for a season? Because I think now that's probably the best is we sort of leave these characters for a little bit. And mm. But, again, it could come in episode one. But what's your thoughts? Well, is it Herb? Is it, was it Herb? Yeah, Herb's, now the, Herb's the leader. Well, a great character. Yeah. Yeah, great character. He's from a few other things. I really like him. He's quite funny. Um, so, you know, he's taken over and he's trying to find some new board members. So whether the new board members are going to interact in a season three plot potentially or one of the, you know, one of these eight go into that, one of those board members. Yeah. But I don't think they'll play a large role in season eight. Now the hand, in, sorry, season eight. In season three, now the handler's dead. I think Kate Walsh's handler. Now she's gone. She's obviously had a bullet to the head. Um, yeah, I think she's just out of it. Yeah, no, and I so think... is that. So is the yeah, and so is uh, the whole corporation. I think the whole the whole of commission for season three. That's just yeah. a guess, though. Um, I tend to agree with you there. Now, when we're sort of ending that series, and you can just sort of bring anything up, also you want to now. Um, yeah, I just want to talk about the music. Yeah, like, go for it. Yeah, yeah. For people like watching this show, I think that what separates this from other superhero shows is the music. There's. Yeah. A great, you know, f- few great covers that play yeah. during action sequences, and that really actually what helps get me through the show. I yeah. think the fact that they put on these fantastic music covers and set pieces and time it to the music. Like, I would love yeah. to edit this show. Yeah, I think it'd be so much fun time in the action to the music. Um, but yeah, I think the music makes this show. I'm listening to the soundtrack on Spotify yeah. right now. I think it's fantastic that the music. They're, in season two, they almost play too much music behind the action scenes yeah. that it almost takes away from some of the tension. Yeah. You might agree. You know, there's one scene at the end of, I think, episode eight um, where they're attacking, you know, the Swedish guys attacking yeah. number three and her husband and Backstreet Boys comes on. Yeah. And you're thinking, okay, there goes the tension in this scene. And you hear Backstreet's and you're like, yeah. okay, I just can't take this seriously anymore. So there's times like that it takes away. But then you have, you know, something like a cover of Bad Guy playing yeah. well five fights Lila and you yeah. think, man, this, I love this show. So it just varies in my opinion. Well, I think now you think about it more, it's something that sort of the music for me was like, obviously no shit, it's in the background, but it sort of makes these sort of serious tones and serious moments where a 16-year-old or a 15-year-old is slaughtering a room of a boardroom makes it sort of fun, like sort of makes it yeah, feel yeah, like it makes it, fun. it makes it like fun's probably not the correct word, but it makes it sort of all right in a way. Whereas I'm sort of sitting there, if this is another show, and you just play that out with some sort of tense music. It wouldn't work, whereas I think the whole series sort of uses music to sort of some, like you said, it's pulling away from tension, but also draws other people in. And it's sort of music where I wouldn't listen to this just normally. But now I've watched the show, you sort of put it on. It reminds me of like sort of what the first Guardians did with a soundtrack a little bit too, where it made me sort of go, appreciate some of this older music also. And really made it feel like it was in the time as much as also using bad guy in certain situations in 1963. But the music is sort of, I didn't think about it as much until you sort of brought it up. And then I looked through some of the songs and I was like, damn, this is good. This is some really good stuff. Some good 60s pieces for season two to go yeah. with, you know, the time period. Yeah. So no, no, I, I think that's what almost separates this show. A little too much music maybe, yeah. but yeah, I think some great, you know, timing to the set pieces just gets you pumped up and yeah. it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So uh, I think, so we get to the end of this season and everything sort of after um, sort of the barn and everything sort of works out that they can get home. So mm. they're all pretty ecstatic. They're all like, okay, we can get back to 2019 now. And so obviously going into full sort of spoilers here now, 
They get back to 2019. They get home. They're all there. They walk into the day after the apocalypse, so they so know the apocalypse is over. They're reading the um, reading the newspaper. Everything's all good, and they walk in, and there's a picture of Ben now up on the up on the fire on the mantelpiece up on the fireplace, and Sir Reginald Hardgreaves is there, and it sort of gets to the point, and then they're all like, again, Dad, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then he's like, who really are you guys? So this is sort of one of the sort of things for me that was interesting during the whole show is we see seven of these kids and then we see Lila who's at the eighth one. But where are the rest of these kids who are born, the 43 of them who are born on that, that day? And why is it that we haven't seen any other ones yet? Because I would have thought, unless some have died or whatever, but I would have thought there's more. At this point, whether some are bad I mean, guys, learn that some, from Lila, yeah, mm. yeah. There's some whether they're good or bad, but then we see the Sparrow Academy. So, for again, I've got zero idea of what they are, so it's not like this is all just <laughs> speculation. But we see Ben is now the main character of this, and he's the leader. He's their number one. So we're stuck in another timeline now. So is this where you feel mm. like this show is just going to be? Is it's going to take? And I think they're past the comics now. I was reading something where they're now past or once they do the Sparrow Academy, they're past the comics or something. So I don't know where they go from this now or et cetera, but what's your thoughts? Um, well, if they have, uh, you know, I'm not sure about the comic in terms of the comics, but if they have gone past it in, in terms of season three, I guess it might be a bit Game of Thrones. They go past, you know, the book, the comic book content and do their own thing from here. But I think it's interesting where they take the timelines. It, you know, they might never get to their own yeah. timeline with this being the case now. But it's an interesting dynamic. You might have some see some good superhero yeah. high-budget fights in the next season with uh, the Sparrows versus the Umbrella Academy. Yeah. I think it's left it on good terms. I'm not as excited on the cliffhanger, this clipping out, as I was the end of season one. Yeah. Um, just because, you know, I really just didn't know what was going to happen after they went back in time, whereas you can kind of see where this might go with the Sparrow Academy and, you know, another family against the, these guys. Um, but another big thing too, yeah. as we learned, I think at episode nine or eight, that their father may or may not be an alien in yeah. disguise. Yeah. Is that mm, why he's on so the moon? I, yeah. So I'm feeling there might be a connection with this and the Sparrow Academy and how it is a different, like it's just he's got different kids at that, that point when he, when he took them mm. and it's going to be about them working out or maybe they, they're still trying to get back to their timeline. But I feel like, this alien thing might be sort of pushed forward a little bit more in this series. That, and I do enjoy mm. that character. Like he's a he's very well acted in that way, and I think it's good, good to mm. to keep him around. And I guess this time travel gives it. I just hope it's not going to turn like a little bit like the Flash did, where we can't really remember what r- reality we're in, and they're just time traveling mm. here, there, and everywhere. So, um, but they've left a lot of other questions that we haven't even gone on about here. Like you said, with the alien stuff and. Maybe that's a reason why Arthur was on the moon or some, a lot. So Arthur Luther was on the moon also in season one uh, when we find out like maybe there are these reasons and everything will tie together at some point. So um, anything else you want to sort of touch on um, before I go into my final point of the show? Um, no, no, I, yeah. I think we've covered season two enough. Yeah. And if you have watched season one, and you're not overly keen. Yeah. I'd say definitely give season two yeah. a shot because I think there's so many more of the characters are fleshed yeah. out, and I love the theme. It's a little bit lighter, well, yeah. still the same. Quite, you know, still the plot is still relatively yeah. dark. Um, but no, jump, jump on it, and I think this is this the second season's a good beginning for what's to come. And this might be Netflix is one of 
they're one of their biggest shows, I yes. think, in a potential season that keeps up this level of quality. I think I have to tend to agree with you there. There's obviously a lot that we've missed out on and we've sort of fleshed out a little mm-hmm. bit in regarding some characters, but with six or seven main characters, 10 different episodes, overarching different arcs and stories, it's hard to sort of discuss everything unless you sort of sat down and chatted yeah. about each episode. So um, we've left it a bit ambiguous for you all, what's uh, in another way good, but I 100% agree with going and watching it. It's probably up there now with the season two. Like we're saying, season one was good, but now the season two, I'm so excited for this third season to come out when it does in 2021. I think they've still got a chance of getting this out next year. A year between. Mm. Uh, A year between, and I'm ridiculously excited for it. Then it's ranking now with season two. So again, we're sort of having this chat off air regarding the boys and stuff too. I'll comment on the boys after season two comes out, but this is now probably one of my more favorite shows on the streaming service, sort of different networks with the second season. So season one was there, but now the second season sort of pushed it a bit higher for me, comparing it to sort of like even a Stranger Things or something. I enjoy this even a lot more than a Stranger Things. So I know that's interesting for some people because that's sometimes someone's favorite shows. Um, But no, it's there. And after the boys, we'll sort of discuss a little bit more. Final things, Jack, or is that all good? We can move on to show and tell. Yeah, I reckon we get on to recommendations. But, yeah, hope that was good. And we can, once again, always go into it if uh, fans request. Oh, one of you. Oh, that's not what I want. Where's my uh, – where's my – I've lost my – sounds on the soundboard. I've lost my soundboard. Oh, no. Oh, that's all right. I've got plenty more sounds too. Um, yeah. I do too. No, i got the wrong one written down here. Should have checked before the show. But we're going to move into show and tell then. Um, that's what happens when you've been off for a, for a week or two. Now, so – Jads, what have you been watching in the last week? I know you've been very busy, but I'm sure you've absorbed a little bit of content. Believe it or not, the only content I've absorbed is two seasons of Umbrella Academy over the last two weeks. So So did you get a chance? Pardon, sorry, you go. Sorry, you go. Oh, I was going to say, in terms of content, I haven't absorbed too much and I'm still playing Ghost of Tsushima in any other spare minute minute I get. Okay. Um, So it's been mostly those yeah, two things. So you haven't had a chance to watch Netflix's new Project Power with Jamie Foxx? No, that is on my list though. So give us your recommendation. Um, no, I, so when it comes down to Netflix movies now and sort of where they sit in this sort of echelon, I want to have a look at the cost of this one actually. So Project Power. Because um, I feel like now, now I sort of sit back and sort of go on this one. It's so a budget of 85 mil. So it's a big budget still and there's some, some decent set pieces. Uh, obviously, it's got Joseph Gordon-Levitt who's – uh, one of my favourites, but it's been off for the last couple of years, hasn't done much until um, mm. this and another another one. So again, $85 million budget. I feel like if this was out in cinemas, though, it's not going to make 250 300 I would have thought. It's not going to be a massive no. hit. I saw the trailer. It didn't look overly, you know, it big just, budget. I would still watch it. But. Oh, it just feels like a classic Netflix movie. So if you're going to put it in that perspective, mm. sort of, again, running down the movie, it's... Uh, sort of superhero one, sort of set in New Orleans where there's a new drug on the scene that everyone has their own superpower, whether it's you turn into fire, whether you are bulletproof, whether you've got super speed, whether you're invisible essentially, or you could just simply blow up. Um, this drug uh, accentuates that and brings it to the floor. So it brings essentially, if you're talking X-Men, it brings your mutant power out for five minutes only. So it's not like you got it forever, so it's only for five minutes. So... Um, it, it's an interesting concept. Again, shows that any of us could write something like that and use a superpower. It's a different way of doing it um, than just like an X-Men or some shit like that. And it's an interesting concept. I feel like a Jamie Foxx or someone, this could have been a decent series 
if you hadn't put some of these guys in there, but you're throwing a Jamie Foxx to try and get people a Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and it's good. So essentially, Jamie Foxx's character is sort of – I won't go too much into it because it gives away spoilers in in some way, but Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character is a cop. He uses his power um, in one sort of section earlier in the movie. He loses his badge. So he's then trying to find the guys who distribute this for the cops off the record, typically – and Jamie Foxx is also trying to find the distributors, etc., for an unknown reason. We find out a bit later on in the movie. His character's sort of a bit iffy because the cops are trying to find him. So you're sort of thinking, is he a good guy or bad guy? It gives that. Plus, there's a young um, girl, Dominic uh, Fishback. She's new. She's a drug dealer. So she's like in oh, school. Great. She's a drug dealer of this drug. Generic so, as. Uh, it's generic as in that way. <laughs> I, I won't go into it too much more. It's a good Netflix movie. So if you're sitting down Saturday, Sunday night, I'd give it a watch. And I think that's how Netflix can sort of get away with continuing to spend a decent amount of money on these films is 85 mil, people are going to watch it and it keeps people into Netflix. So um, sort of that old one, that Will Smith one, that bright 200 mil, too much, 85 mil, 100 mm. mil, you can sort of get away with because it can be done. It can be done and it's there's some good set pieces. There's some action. They also throw in... What's his face? Uh, who's one of those big YouTubers? I'm trying to look. Casey Neistat, he's in it. Like, you know, one of those, like, you know, just a random big yeah. YouTuber that you're yeah, like. I'm he not 12 was, years old, sorry, Cutters. I wouldn't know. Uh, he's, yeah, but he's, Casey's been, <laughs> Casey's been around for a while now. But, uh, has it, he? Okay. but, you know, like either YouTube, and it just took, like, those little things took me out of the movie straight away. I was like, oh, for God's mm. sake. Like, here we go. He's paid a cameo or some shit because he's probably put a million bucks into this movie or something. So, no, yeah. I give it a watch. Not the greatest thing in the world, but it's a good Netflix movie. Popcorn, two hours out of your life. You're fine. I'd say it's a, a give it a watch in the simplest way possible. It's not the worst movie. So, next uh, one that I also got to watch yesterday in my quarantine because i got nothing else to do. Lots of time. Lots of time. <laughs> I can finally watch some stuff is I watched Amazon Prime's uh, British TV show, Alex Ryder. So, based on the best-selling TV, uh, sorry, uh, teen novel series starting in the noughties. They even released one last year or this year. So the series is still going. What's for me is kind oh, of... Oh, yeah, yeah. Anthony Horowitz is just knocking these out of the park. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so based on, again, that book, there was obviously the movie Stormbreaker that was out. Uh, when, when did Stormbreaker actually come out? Was that been like 2006 oh, or something? 2000 and, yeah, about 2006, 2005, uh, maybe. maybe. Yeah, but that was Stormbreaker. This one's more based on the second book, Point Blank, is it yes, not? Yes, correct. So yeah. but what I was sort of waiting for... I didn't really know. I can't remember reading them, to be perfectly honest with you. I was waiting for that Stormbreaker sort of series to come through, and then I started looking at the list of novels, and it's like the second one's Point Blake. I was like, ah, that's the reason why yeah. the original story has not come through. But it's good. It's a British version. It's eight episodes. So um, you said you watched the first episode or two. The character, for me, the main actor, yeah. sort of pulls me out of it a little bit. There's sort of your classic British actors are in it. The action's not bad. Yeah. It's not eight episodes for me, though. There's a couple of episodes that are damn slow, and you're just sort of like, mm. they're really trying to pull this out now and really trying to push it. I guess they add a bit of Stormbreaker, yeah. sort of original aspects of episode one and two, where he finds out With about the his uncle, uncle. dying. Yeah. And, yeah. We obviously have to find out about that. What's well, fine, but it's, it's decent TV that's not, um, how do I say, I wouldn't be rushing out for you to finish it. 
But if you're sitting there in quarantine and you want something to watch, it's fine. And I invested myself into the first couple of episodes and I went, I'm just going to finish it. But I sort of spent majority of it on my phone or on my laptop too. It was not a great okay. sort of – but it's got like an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. So I would give it a positive review. If I'm giving it a review, it's mm. a positive review. So um, Okay, from, and from, point blank too, that's like – I'm just trying to go back to uh, grade five when I read the book. That's he goes to like a school where there's clones and stuff, isn't it? Correct. Like so yeah, that's um, not a spoiler, is it? Yeah, I guess it is in a, in a little way. Once it came uh, out, um, yeah, doesn't matter if you're watching. It's a if you're watching, book now, but yeah, yeah if, you're, if you're watching the show, you probably know you've probably read the books too. So I can see that um, as, aspect in it. So no, it, it's good in that way. As I was saying to you before the show, the thing that takes me out of it a little bit is when. This guy is 16 or 17. He's supposed to be in high school. And because of that, he's not shooting guns, etc. but he's supposed to be a special agent. So he's obviously sent undercover into this school and it takes a while to get into the school. And then I feel like the problem is the school scenes are really rushed because the other subplots of finding out that he's in the school are also sort of rushed. So you could have elongated his time in the school, but it feels like he's there for like two or three days and he's already trying to find his way out. Where I felt like it could, it nearly, nearly needed a montage sequence that he's been there for a while, because it also feels like the other students, sort of, they disappear and come back very quickly. When it feels like a lot of them say in the first time, "I've been there for six months." It's like, well, why is this now speeding up? Uh, and it's not like Alex is pushing it that much too. So it could have probably dealt with a bit of a montage sequence too, um, mm. to help out in that way, but. No, I think it leaves a lot of stuff unanswered. It's annoying that there's action sequences when people are shooting at him and he's just running away. So I don't know whether in for a, but it's still trying to hit sort of a teenage audience too. What I'm guessing it's like trying to do. We haven't heard much about it here in Australia. I was looking up its Instagram stuff and no, we haven't. It's no, very hidden. Mm. So I was looking up its Instagram. It's got a decent little following, but not a major following on its like socials. So uh, I'm guessing this will continue to just sort of be. I think it's going to be renewed for a second season or something. So it will just be on Amazon or for Australia. Um, but it's on it's on a different TV channel. Oh, no, it is just on Amazon, I'm pretty sure, in the UK. Yeah. So it's fine, but it's not amazing. But I would be intrigued for a second one. When you compare the Amazon series as though of like Jack Ryan and this, it sort of feels like this is the teenage Jack Ryan, obviously, of sort of what you're sort of expecting. Mm, just nowhere near as good. No, Yeah, nowhere near as good, but I feel like they nearly need to put him to college now and make him an adult because at this point it's sort of a bit like, eh. But again, this is how it sort of works and shit happens in a way. So it's not bad, but it's not the greatest thing. following the books, aren't they? So they got, what, Skeleton Key next. So yeah. they're still in school then, I think. Yeah, so, so yeah. I've just- got a feeling it's going to be in school and we're going to go from there. But in the end, Jads, um, looks like that's the end of today's podcast. So... Uh, next episode, we're yeah. most likely going to be talking about all the news that comes out of DC fandom that's happening tomorrow and a bit of the next day also, depending on where you are listening in the world. And you've probably already heard it when you listen to the next episode. But again, Jads, um, thank you very much for today's ep. Where can everyone find you on the socials? Yeah, so Jack underscore Mason22 on Twitter and Insta. And uh, I keep updating the ScreenBlend.net website. So uh, definitely give that a visit because uh, the Wix fees are very expensive for that <laughs> annually. So I make the most of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as always, subscribe to our feed to get the latest stuff and be putting out, I might do a little DC fandom sort of news tomorrow and so, some other stuff and some reviews as I'm 
getting through different bits of television and just put them on the feed so you can follow me at yeah, Willie Cuts. Yeah, and um, hopefully I'll also – I did watch Palm Springs, but I'll give my recommendation of that uh, next week. Oh, yeah, I'm going to try and get that in the next couple of days and watch that also. So as always, mate, an absolute cool. pleasure, and um, we'll see you all uh, next episode. Ta-da. Yep, see you next week. Bye.